1: guys welcome back to part two um of this next series of episodes with jim muller it's good to have him back on again and uh, hope you guys enjoyed the last one real quick before we start fully rolling into this just want to say check out our sponsor and partner and friend ben Hardebreck, that uh, started motion ducks a long time ago met him um five six years ago had a sacramento sportsman show and um I really liked this product, thought it was really neat, wondered if it worked, put it to use, and, man, ever since, I, I have not had it where it was not in my bag, in my blind bag, in my backpack, in my boat, wherever I go. So if you guys want to check out this jerk rig on on steroids, go to motionducks.com forward slash MVM, and you'll see that we have a, our own special deal there for the MVM show and Mid-Valley Mercenaries. And then if you want an additional 10% off, which I'm sure you do if you're going to get it, put in the code mid Valley and you'll get an additional 10% off there. So just check it out. All right, here we are back to it again. And we are going to start off this episode with a question that I had already asked him on the phone, uh, before even today, before we were recording these and Jim, I'm just going to say what I asked you and then we'll roll from, we'll roll from there. Okay. So in the video, if you guys haven't watched it, you need to go check it out. Um, and I, it doesn't really matter, you can find it. It's one of the last three videos I've put on the channel. I'll get the, the name for you real quick. It was pattern test with 20 gauge, Franky Affinity, and molar uh, choke, decoy choke. So I did that video with the decoy choke. I did all the whole process and I guess I got your approval of how, because I was talking to you while I was doing that. So I made sure I did it properly. I would say it's one of my best, it's for sure the best pattern video I've done because I have a professional tell me how to do it. I did exactly how he said, and, and I think it helped a lot of people knowing what they should do too when they go pattern. So it had multiple benefits. Now, once I did the whole, let's see if this gun is shooting at point of aim and all this stuff, I put the choke, the decoy molar choke in, shot at 25, five shots, 35, five shots. I did, however, after the recording's done, I did throw in your passing choke, and I shot it at 35 yards as well. Now, I did only shoot three shots, which just shouldn't really matter because it goes by average, right? I was telling you that I only got 20 more pellets per average shot with the passing choke. And that's when you said about letting a pattern develop, if we can go into that.
2: Yes, Titus, so so that's really a great point. It's really important for people to understand. One thing that I did when I developed my chokes, I felt it was really important to have the least amount of chokes necessary to give us the biggest margin of error Mm. without spending a ton of money on a ton of chokes and being really perplexed and confused as to what choke we should use, right? Mm being a hunter and being a competitor. So that's what I achieved with all of my chokes. And what I mean by that is I overlapped the patterns. And this means this goes into the whole distribution and um, what we just said about it materializing, right, or fully developing. Uh Okay, so what I realized back in 93, when I took the chokes out of all the different guns, and I shot threads at paper at let's say 30 yards, just to see what would happen, because that's sort of a, a good happy medium distance, right? It's out there enough to see some things happen, but it's not too far. And also, it's not too close, right? Right. So I shot, like I showed you five rounds on paper, aiming at the same point of impact at 30 yards, with no choke in the gun at all through 22 guns, 13 barrel bore diameters. And what I found was that they're all significantly different. Right. Mm-hmm. So that led me into the whole thing. Well, a chokes, not a chokes, not a choke, because you cannot have a gun that patterns a 30 inch circle and a gun that covers a six foot sheet of paper and put the same 10,000 choke in both and say, oh, it's improved cylinder. No, not real not happening. Right. But up until Mueller chokes, that's what everybody has always done. Right. Mm -hmm. So what I realized was, okay, most choke companies out there have 15 constrictions. And that doesn't even delve into all the turkey choke constrictions or all the other constrictions. Some choke companies have 25 constrictions. Okay. And then you throw into that mix. Well, these are target chokes these are hunting chokes these are this choke this is buckshot choke this is a slug choke this is a home defense choke so it's really it's never ending uh-huh. right and that was something that I could not take so when I started doing all my pattern testing and getting into pattern efficiency meaning lowest shot to shot deviation for every single gun based on what geometry every single gun liked independently I also learned that patterns develop at different distances. And of course, this can be a pretty vast thing because you've got different materials of pellets, you've got different shot sizes, different payloads, different velocities, different shot shell components, which affect all of those things. So what I realized, what I could do to make things the best I could for everybody and to make things the most consistent for everybody was that I would strive to create a pattern and create geometry in a choke tube that would overlap patterns at the distances they're intended to be used at. Okay. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: So what I mean by that is, so if you take any shotgun in the world, whether it be a 4.10 or a 10 gauge, whether it be a full choke in the barrel or no choke at all in the barrel, and you shoot a piece of paper or a target or a door or anything at five feet, I don't think you're going to see much of a difference. Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And the reason for that is because nothing has happened to the shot column yet. It hasn't really started to open a lot it started to move about 18, 20 inches out of the barrel, but move meaning like fractions of an inch. And then when the shot column was a couple feet out of the barrel, it may have moved another couple inches outward. Mm -hmm. Okay. But at 10 feet, it hasn't really moved much of anything to see a significant difference between no choke or full choke. Right. Mm -hmm. So like when people ask me, Hey, I have a rabbit target that's uh, literally 10 feet in front of me. What choke should I use? And I tell them it doesn't matter because regardless of what choke you have in a gun, you're either going to hit it or you're going to miss it (laughs) Mm. (laughs) because nothing has had time to do anything. Mm -hmm. Certainly not consistent. Right? So because physics have not acted upon it yet. Okay. So, When I developed the chokes, I wanted to have the most ultimate lowest shot shot deviation pattern. But I also wanted to offer everybody the largest margin of error at every distance possible with the least amount of chokes possible to do so. Okay, I know that hunters don't want to change chokes while they're hunting, (laughs) you know, Oh, gee, the ducks are flying a little close. Let me take this choke and change this. Oh, shoot, the wind just changed. Now they're flying farther. Let me change my choke again. As we have snow and ice or sand blowing on us and we're stuck in the mud. I mean, no, we don't want to be doing that, right? right. So we want a choke that's efficient based on the distance we intend to use it at. So that's why my clay target chokes only have five constrictions because they cover every sport there is at every distance imaginable. The reason I only have three constrictions in my hunting series is because you don't need more than that
0: Mm -hmm. because
2: you've got close, medium and far, or shall we say very close, mid range and extremely far. Okay, Mm -hmm. but somewhere in there, the choke is gonna cover what you need it to cover, but it's gonna do so very efficiently. And the reason it's gonna do so is because when I created the patterns, I made them overlap, meaning where one ended, the other one begins. Uh. Okay. To the best of my ability. Right. The best that could physically happen based on all the different guns, all the different bore diameters, all the different barrel lengths, all the different ammo, right? Ammo is a big factor in all this, right? Uh If you're shooting double a buck, or if you're shooting, you know, target number nine, it's two totally different ball games, right? Yeah. So, what I did was when I created the chokes, I started at the distances they're intended to be used at. So, like my decoy choke, I shot that choke from in your face at ten yards, all the way out to forty yards, and in between all those distances in five to ten yard increments, I evaluated them with all the different ammos and i tweaked every choke for every gun to give me what i thought would be the biggest margin of error at every distance between in my face out to 30 yards mm-hmm. because that's what i intended the decoy choke to be used at hence the name of it over decoys right that goes for whether it's a woodcock a partridge a wood duck a ringneck a mallard a teal doesn't matter a canada goose If it's over decoys, which I consider to be inside 30 yards, that's the choke you're going to want. Now, the passing choke I developed for passing shots, passing shots are going to be considered past 30 yards. Okay. Everybody's got their own definition of that. Maybe some people feel it's past 30. Maybe some people feel it's past 40. Maybe some people feel a passing shots past 50, whatever you feel it is my passing choke. Overlaps the pattern where the decoy choke starts to become, shall I say, inefficient or not ultimate, mm-hmm. my passing takes over. Okay. Okay. So if, and then of course the UFO takes over where the passing takes over. If you were to shoot the decoy choke, the passing choke, and the UFO choke at 10 yards, they would all look very similar. The decoy choke may show you a couple inches bigger, but the deviation, shot-to-shot shot deviation, when you're not using the choke at the distance it's intended to be used at, your shot-to-shot shot deviation of the outer fringe is going to be very high. Mm. And the reason for that is because the choke has not created the pat it has not allowed the pattern to fully develop yet okay Mm -hmm. or shall i say physics have not acted upon the shot pattern enough for it to be fully distributed or fully efficient or fully developed yet because of the choke that it went through a choke is just a funnel right so knowing that basically if you were to take my decoy choke and use it from in your face out to 30, 35 yards, you're gonna see it out there very nice. Let's say between 15 and 35 yards. The deviation is gonna be very low. The outer fringe is gonna be consistent and it's gonna be very efficient. The shot string is nice, it's developed um, everything, right? Mm -hmm. So your hit to miss ratio is gonna be maximized your cripple ratio is going to be minimized. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's the goal. Then the passing choke takes over from where that decoy choke sort of ends. So my passing choke, I ask people to start patterning at like 35 yards mm-hmm. and go out to like 50. Okay. Now, of course, you have to think for yourself, what ammo are you shooting? Mm-hmm. Am I shooting lead target loads? Am I shooting steel target loads? Am I shooting steel hunting loads? Am I shooting bismuth? Am I shooting buckshot? Am I shooting Triple B? Am I shooting TSS? Am I shooting Heavy 12, Spheros 15, Heavyweight 13? I mean, you need to try to figure out, okay, this is the choke that's intended to be used at at this distance. The ammo I'm gonna put through this, is this ammo intended to be used at that distance? Mm-hmm. You know? You don't want to take a UFO that's intended to be used with TSS or like a boss war chief or a lead tar- a lead Turkey load. You don't want to take that UFO and go shoot steel sevens through it and pattern test it at 65 yards. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Because we're not going to do very well with a steel seven at 65 yards. Right. Mm-hmm. So what I intended to do and what I achieved was that I overlap my patterns at the distances. I think that the choke should be used at. Mm -hmm. I'm the inventor. I'm the master class shooter. I'm the one that I'm the ballistics expert. I did my best for you to be able to use these chokes based on where I intend to use them. Mm -hmm. Right? So if you, look at these shot patterns in slow motion, which is something that I intend to do in the future. So people can see it for their own eyes. I want people to see what I'm talking about. And what I want people to understand is that every constriction, every gun and every ammo has a sweet spot. And that sweet spot may be over a period of 10 yards. It may be over a period of 40 yards but there's sweet spots for every choke and every ammo combination mm-hmm. so what i did was my decoy choke my sweet spot is between in your face out to 35 regardless of ammo choice the passing choke sweet spot is from 35 out to 50 rego- you know depending on ammo choice and my ufo is for beyond 50. okay now like we said in the last podcast the thing that you cannot see is on paper Mm -hmm. you cannot see these things on paper because all you're seeing is a bunch of pellets going through a two-dimensional piece of paper you don't see the shot string and you don't see the deviation if you fire one shot on paper with one ammo with one choke with one gun at say 35 yards okay So what I always encourage people to do, if you insist on shooting patterns with my chokes on paper, what I urge you to do is take the MO you choose to shoot inside 35 yards with my decoy choke, shoot paper between, let's say, 15 yards and 35 yards. But what I encourage you to do is fire five shots at the same point of impact, aiming at the same dot, And then do the pellet count in all of your quadrants and then divide those quadrants by five. Mm -hmm. And the reason I asked you to do this is because there is such huge deviation in every shot shell on the market, regardless of who makes it. When you fire one shot, you are not, you have no idea what the next shot's gonna be. Mm -hmm. That's out of my control. That's not my choke, that's not the gun, that's the ammo, that's the pellet material. The pellet roundness, the pellet size, the pellet density variation, mm-hmm. the powder in the shell, the primer, the detonation, the hull, the crimp, the crimp depth, the the taper at the end of the crimp, the thickness of the hull, the hull material. I mean, I could go never mind velocity. I mean, right, <laughs> you know, we could get into that whole thing, but what I'm trying to what I'm trying to exemplify here and touch base on is the amount of variables is huge, Mm -hmm. just in that shot shell alone. I mean, give an example, we talk about how velocity is very detrimental or very beneficial to a shot shell, right? When I used to pattern Remington Nitro loads, which are like one of the best known loads on the market. Okay, target loads. I was getting deviation with two different chronographs that were very expensive. I was getting deviation of 125 feet per second. Mm-hmm. That's huge. Yeah. I mean, when you look at some of the European shells like BMP, for example, game bore. Um, there's another one that comes to mind. I'm trying to remember Bornegie or excuse me if I pronounced that wrong, but people I know will know. They vary like three to five feet per second. Mm. I don't know how they do it. I I don't know how they do it, but it's been proven that those shells only vary like less than 10 feet per second, Mm. every shell, every time. It's incredible. It's it's physically almost impossible in my opinion, but they do it. Mm. So, when you talk about 10 feet per second or less versus 125 feet per second, that's huge difference, right? Percentage wise. Mm-hmm. But these are the things that we're dealing with with ammunition. Never mind if you take a bunch of different ammo's and you cut them open and you start to look at pellets, you roll them in a dish, you mm-hmm. measure them, you do hardness testing on them with a crush tool. I mean, all these different things you're going to see wildly wildly different variations across the board, right? Even if you look at every shell in a box of 25 from one company, just look at the crimp. You're going to see that the crimps vary a lot, okay? That crimp depth and that crimp variation is going to have a difference in velocity, in back pressure, and in pattern, So those are things that I cannot obviously change. But what I can change is across the board, giving you overlapping patterns with the best ammos on the market that are the most consistent. And then in the hopes that whatever you choose to use is going to be the best it can be. You know, I've had companies ask me, well, hey, If your chokes pattern so good, what if I use the crappiest ammo in the market? Is it going to pattern amazingly well? Well, my answer to that is no. If you take the crappiest patterning ammo on the market and you put it through my choke, it's still going to pattern crappy, but it's going to pattern the best it can. Yeah. That's my answer. Mm -hmm. If you take the best premium patterning ammo on the market and you put it through my choke, especially at distance, it's going to outshine anything else there is. Mm -hmm. And that is going to translate to your higher hit to miss ratio and your lower cripple ratio, you know, and this is what I've done. So to go back to your question about, you know, why was the passing choke at 35 yards only a few pellets more than the decoy choke? That's the reason. So now if you were to take that same exact and, Let me back up that's awesome that you found that because that's exactly what i want you to find i don't want you to have let's say 100 pellets inside a 30 inch circle at 35 yards with my decoy choke which is exactly what i want you to have by the way i don't want you to put the passing choke in with the same gun and same ammo and tell me that you've got a hundred percent pattern inside 20 inches because guess what? The difference between my decoy choke of giving you an efficient 34 inch pattern at 35 yards Mm -hmm. and then for you to go to my passing choke and see a 20 inch efficient pattern at 35 yards, that's not what I want. I've given you a disservice if that's what you're finding because now you have a huge gap in efficiency Mm -hmm. at 35 yards. Mm -hmm. You're going from a big pattern that's got a good ratio to a pattern that you're gonna be missing birds with mm-hmm. at that same distance when you go to my passing. That's not what I want you to have. Right. I want you to see no difference at 35 yards because if I could give you that, I wanna raise a flag and pat myself on the back,
1: mm-hmm.
2: right? Because it's difficult to do. So, so what you're I'm-
1: saying at 45 yards, that choke probably still looks the same as it did at 35
2: so at 45 yards your passing is gonna start to shine mm-hmm. where the decoy choke is gonna start to fall apart
3: mm-hmm.
2: you yep. can i still kill a duck with my decoy choke at 45 yards with the right ammo heck yeah, yeah i can but my passing choke is supposed to do it better mm-hmm. okay but guess what at 50 yards at 60 yards my passing choke is gonna clearly outshine that decoy
1: choke Now, okay? jim how I know this is probably a geometry question, but is it all you changed in that is the internal circumference? Like you, did you make it smaller to do that? Like, how is that holding that longer? That's, that's all it's, it can be is possible, right? No, no.
2: So So this is what I learned back in 93.
1: When I created
2: what's called GSPG, I call it gun specific patterning geometry. That's my own thing. I invented that. The reason I invented that is because that's exactly what I learned. So what I learned was when I took the chokes out of all of those guns and I shot them on paper, they patterned totally different. So I realized that you couldn't put the same choke with the same geometry in all of those guns and expect it to be the same because it can't be right. It's impossible. If it shoots totally different with no choke, you can't put the same choke in all of them and have them all shoot the same, right? Yeah. It's obvious common sense. So I realized that, okay, if every gun starts out different and it ends different, it needs a different choke in it to perform proper, okay? Mm -hmm. I can't say perform the same because here, we'll we'll delve into something else before we go down the road. If, If a Browning 745 bore can give you a 36-inch pattern at 20 yards, but a Benelli SBE 1, 2, or 3 can only possibly give you a 25-inch pattern at that same distance, do I want to make the Browning shoot as tight as the Benelli at that distance and give you a less margin of error so I could say my choke's the same? Of course not. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to take margin of error away from you. I'm not going to take pattern efficiency away from you mm-hmm. just to make the guns the same because that gun shoots tighter than every other gun on the market. Right. If you want to buy the tightest shooting gun on the market and handicap yourself on close targets or close birds, well, then go for it. That's your business, but I'm not going to. Okay? Hence the reason I don't shoot a Benelli. Uh-huh. Okay? It's not only because they're inertia driven and they break and they jam and they don't go off when you pull a trigger. That's not the only reason I don't shoot a Benelli. I don't shoot a Benelli because it's too damn tight mm. and I can't make it bigger, okay? So what I tell people in the sporting clay industry and in the, in the American skeet industry, the trap industry, I tell them to match the bore diameter of the gun based on your sport to give you the biggest margin of error so you can win what i mean by that is if i'm competing in american skeet where i could take the choke out of every single gun on the market and break that target from station four a hundred times in a row and never have a fly through why in the heck am i going to shoot a 720 bore that's going to give me a much tighter pattern when i could do it with a much bigger pattern and have a bigger margin of error and have a higher score than you yeah that's what i'm going to do
3: right
2: same thing goes for chokes in these guns. So, if I want to shoot bunker trap and I have to have a really tight efficient pattern at freaking 50 yards for that target that's screaming away from me, yeah, I want to shoot a tight Parazzi, or I want to shoot a tight Benelli, or I want to shoot a tight Beretta. I want to shoot something tight because it starts out tight. Guess what? I can end it even tighter. Right? Hmm. And have it be more efficient. If I have to choke down a Mossberg 835 or 935 Ultimag that starts with a 777 bore, and I've got to choke that thing down to 680 to get it to pattern tight at that far distance, guess how much damaged pellets you're going to have and how much Mm. inefficiency you're going to have on that outer fringe when it gets to that 60-yard target. Guess how much back pressure that gun's going to have kicking you in the teeth because you're it's like shooting a slug at that point mm. okay so there's all these different things that people don't know because nobody's ever taught them or talked about it that is a vast huge world right mm. i mean yeah. i i know i didn't really make that sound very good but i'm not going off a of script here <laughs> yeah no no so, it sounds good so I- what i'm saying is if you shoot a very tight choke out of a gun and then you put a cylinder choke in that gun, you're going to get a lot more recoil felt recoil out of that full choke than you are out of the cylinder choke. The same thing's going to happen if you shoot a big board gun versus a small board gun with the same amount of constriction in the gun. Right?
1: Yeah. So that you constrict it down, you're just going to ask for a a sore shoulder.
2: That's correct. So you're saying a Benelli is already tight.
1: Hmm. You said Benelli's are already tight. What are they averaging as far as bore diameter? 720 to
2: 724.
1: So most
2: people over choke Benelli's. Mm. Most people over choke mobile choke Berettas. Most people over choke any gun that takes a mobile choke choke or a cryo plus choke system, because those chokes are made for a 18.3 to 18.4 millimeter bore diameter. Which is basically seven nineteen to seven twenty
3: four. Mm.
1: Yeah, and that's man, what I was telling you on my uh, on my. Uh, which maybe it's different because it's a twenty eight gauge, but I put the full in there, and then I, I I I'm pretty sure I was shooting something like the size of a golf ball up out to like I didn't I can't prove it, but from what I seen on the water and just things hitting birds out to like 25, 30 yards. So I end up putting them pre modified. And I'm really now even seeing that on the water and shooting birds, I'm like, man, I think I need to change that almost down to a mod. Cause I mean it's 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 like
2: so I don't have the chokes in front of me. And and you know what, this might make for a good podcast in the future so people could see what I'm talking about. But just if you could envision this if I had a 28 gauge Caesar Guarini choke tube in front of me right now in my hand, and I showed it to you face to face, live person, you would swear it's a 410 choke. Mm. But it's a 28 gauge choke. Why? Because of the very tight bore diameter and the choke system is pretty thin. So the OD of the choke and the ID of the choke are small, right? Mm. If I was to take that same 28 gauge choke in a Browning, you would swear it's a 20 gauge choke mm. because it looks that much bigger.
1: Wow.
2: Okay. Because the bore diameter is bigger. It's an overboard gun from the factory. They, they thrive on that, which is why it's called Invector vector plus. Um, and the OD of the barrel is also bigger, which hence the OD of the choke is bigger, but this all translates to bigger. Okay. Mm-hmm. Which is why, you could shoot a much heavier payload in a 28 gauge out of a Browning than you can out of a Benelli to get a much more efficient pattern. If I wanted to go shoot an ounce or an ounce and an eighth of nickel plated fives out of a 28 gauge and paper bag of pheasant at 60 yards, like I shot them with a 10 gauge, it would be through a Browning. Hmm. It would not be through a Benelli or a Beretta because trying to shove an ounce of lead through a bore diameter of a Beretta or a Benelli 28 gauge is not going to go so well. Mm. It's too much shot. Mm. Okay, So hence the reason we get back into the whole square load thing, right? People talk about a 28 gauge being a square load. No, it's not always a square load. It depends on how much your payload is based on the bore diameter of that gun. So a three quarter ounce payload in a 28 gauge is pretty square in most 28 gauges, right? Mm. Mm -hmm. An ounce and a quarter of lead shot is a square load in most 12 gauges. But of course, an ounce and a quarter payload that's a square load in a 725 Remington is not going to be a square load in a Mossberg 777 bore. Gotcha. Ain't going to be. Yeah. It's physically impossible. It goes against all physics. So Mm. this is why people that are unknowledgeable or uneducated about ballistics and shotguns cannot talk about these things, because they're giving people false information and misleading them. Mm -hmm. That's why so many people in shotgunning sports and hunting are so misled, because people don't understand what they're teaching. Mm -hmm. They're just spewing false, obsolete information forward generations. And that's why I'm out here to teach people because they don't know what they're talking about. So so like, obviously, you can see how huge this is, right? Yeah. Just saying, oh, 28 gauge is a square load. That's wrong. No, it's not. That's like saying a 410 load is a square load. Yeah. Guess what? A half ounce of eight and a halves in most 410s is a square load. And I can break clay targets at 45 yards like you shot them with a 12 gauge. But people will tell you, oh, no, 410 is either a kid's gun or a professional gun it's nothing in between <clears throat> that's not true
1: really
2: That's so far from the truth and i can prove it by showing you years of scores that i shot on 12 gauge sporting clay course shooting my remington 870 pump where i saw ross ross scores in the 80s okay mm. and i ended up winning high overall champion shooting a 410 pump on a 12 gauge course wow. why because I was shooting the correct load through the correct choke in a 410.
3: Hmm.
2: Simple wow. as that. Okay, wow. But not every load and every choke and every 410 is a square load and is efficient, mm-hmm. believe me. You could shoot most 410s at 25 yards and fit a freaking goose through it, right? Mm. Not efficient. Yeah. Um, same thing goes for every single gauge, 410, 28, 20, 16 12 and 10 it goes for every gauge every gun every choke every ammo but people don't know this well they just throw they throw it into into a general category yeah and it's not general in any way
3: Hmm.
1: that's what the big argument now is the last couple years for sure the last two is that people and i probably have said it too it's like yeah you can you let a kid use a 28 or if you feel very confident in a good shot you use a 28, but no in between because people are skybusting, take far shots and doing all this kind of stuff. But I mean, that's, that would be the reasoning we've had, you know, and conversations we've had, but.
2: Yes. I I don't know what you would say to that. So so basically what i would say to this is if you're using the right 28 gauge with the right ammo with the right choke it's as efficient and as capable of a 10 gauge Mm. okay wow because i could take a 10 gauge and make it inefficient
1: yeah yeah
2: i could use the wrong choke the wrong ammo in the wrong bore diameter shotgun and make horrible patterns in a 10 gauge Which most people that shoot 10 gauges would tell me I'm out of my mind. You can't make a 10 gauge inefficient. Yes, I can. I could make it as inefficient as a 410. Mm. I could also make a 410 as efficient as a 12 gauge. Mm. Okay. Hence the reason I shot in the 80s on 12 gauge courses. Yeah. Right. That's not make believe. That's fact. Right. So why can I do that? Because I understand ballistics. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. I could make a 10 gauge shoot so incredibly well that 60 yards is close, mm. right? Why? Because I could make that shot. Yeah. And why? Because I understand ballistics and I've shot millions of rounds in my lifetime. Mm-hmm. So I practice on hundred yard targets on sporting clay courses. So yes, that's why I can do that. Mm-hmm. 60 yards is close. I can assure you 60 yards is close. Mm. 60 yards is the old 30, okay? But that's because of things like TSS, not steel shot. Right. I would never shoot at a duck at 60 yards yeah. with steel shot, regardless of ammo or gauge or choke. Okay. So I would never promote it either. Mm. Do I promote shooting birds at extended distances with TSS with my choke? Yeah, I do. Why? Because it's a reality. Can I stand here on my deck and fold a red breast merganser flying up the center of my Creek, which is exactly 80 yards, every shot, Guaranteed because
1: I can. What are you leading a bird like that going? We've probably had this conversation before, like 80 yards like that, that scenario, how far are you leading that thing?
2: So, so the only three things that equate to lead or forward allowance is speed of target, distance of target and velocity of projectile. Mm-hmm velocity of projectile in shotgun terms because we're shooting individual pellets that are very lightweight in reality compared to a single projectile the cell single pellets are going to slow down very quickly right unlike Mm. a single projectile right Mm. um or a single pellet is going to slow down faster than a big heavy projectile correct Mm. so when we get out to 80 yards velocity means nothing so whatever the velocity started out as means nothing at 80 yards. The only thing that matters at 80 yards when it comes to velocity is how heavy in grams per cubic centimeter each individual pellet is. Because that is what is going to retain the velocity at that distance. Hmm. So if I'm shooting steel shot at 80 yards, that started out at 1,700 feet per second and i'm shooting the same size pellet in tss that is 18 grams per cubic centimeter that started out at 1160 feet per second the tss pellet's going to be traveling a lot faster at 80 yards than that steel that started out 1700 Mm -hmm. that translates to different lead right Mm -hmm. or different forward allowance so getting back to your question If I'm shooting my TSS number sevens that started out at 1200 feet per second, and I'm using my passing choke because I don't even need my UFO at 80 yards with that load, believe it or not, I'm gonna lead an average red-breasted merganser on a calm day flying along about 20 feet. Mm. Um, With steel shot, that same lead would probably have to be 30 or 40 feet. Wow. Okay. Yeah. If I was to shoot at something mm-hmm. that far with steel. Mm-hmm. So basically 20 feet of lead with the TSS on that target's going to put the pattern pretty much right on that bird. Which steel shot I would need at least 10 more feet of lead to connect on that bird. Mm. If wow. if the T, if the aluminum <laughs> aluminum, if the steel shot had enough retained energy and pattern efficiency to actually kill right. that bird at that distance, which it does not. Yeah. But I'm just using it as an apple down. Yes. Skin. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So, so yes, TSS number seven, never mind number six or bigger. TSS number seven at 1200 feet per second in my passing choke, ounce and five eighths of payload at 80 yards. When that pattern hits the water at that 80 yards and kills that duck, if you were to look at the pattern, you would be amazed at how much energy and density it has still at that distance. Hmm. You can clearly see that it can go another 10 or 20 yards wow. without problem at all. And still kill a bird. Wow. So, so I'm passionate about discussing that because it's really difficult to swallow when people see my shot cam videos where I shoot a duck at 50 yards I stone it and they blow up and say, Oh, you're sky busting, mm-hmm. you're unethical, you're you're giving the sport a bad name. Yeah. No, no, I'm not. Because I'm using TSS through a choke that gives me pattern efficiency of your steel shot and your choke at twenty.
1: Yeah. They just so why they, they is have it unethical? no knowledge. They have no knowledge. Why is it unethical? Yeah. Correct.
2: Yeah. I can I can hit a bird with as many pellets and as much energy at 80 yards as you can with your steel load at 20. Right. So why is mine unethical? Mm -hmm. It's only unethical because you're not knowledged or understand. Mm -hmm. You know, that's it. Mm -hmm. You know, so so it's important that we realize that our sport is growing and our sport is becoming more advanced, technologically advanced in some aspects, morally advanced in some aspects, and the capability is more advanced than it's ever been mm-hmm. because of TSS and mm-hmm. because of things like you know, heavyweight shot or even bismuth, you know. Yeah. I mean, bismuth is never gonna be as good as lead. Well, I shouldn't say that. That's not true. Certain bismuth is as good or better than some lead loads. Mm-hmm. Okay, I've proven that. Um, Brandon Serecki, boss, has proven that, and I'm sure other people in the industry have proven that. But for the most part, steel will never be as good as bismuth mm-hmm. or lead. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> lead will never be as good as TSS. Nothing. I don't think will ever be as good as TSS unless of course you could afford to shoot gold or platinum. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Which I don't really, unless you live in Dubai, I don't think that you're going to do that. Yeah. All right. So I think I feel based on knowing the element chart very well and the periodic tables, I think that pure tungsten of 18 grams per cubic centimeter and, and there's some pure tungsten that can go a little heavier than that. I think that that will ballistically be the heaviest we ever go because of affordability, Mm -hmm. affordability, and also production. Yeah, You know, nobody's going to make gold shot. No, nobody's going to make platinum shot. Nobody's going to make shot out of uranium. (laughs) Okay. So, so TSS, I think will be the cap and the upper limit of what we ever shoot in a shotgun and um with tss with the proper choke it is capable out to 100 yards all day long mm. it's capable well beyond 100 yeah um with the right size shot and with the right choke, right. oh. but i'm not going to sit here and, and promote you know that people go out and shoot at live birds past 100 yards yeah can you do it yes should yeah. most people do it oh no Hell no. <laughs> Most people should not attempt
1: it. No. Right. Right. So, well, um, I gotta, I hate to kind of end this, but I definitely got a bunch of stuff I gotta do. And I know you're a busy, busy guy too. So yep. thank you once again, um, for sharing your knowledge with us and I, as always enjoy every, every single second of it. And okay, I know thanks. we'll be coming on some more. I'm, I'm getting ready to get some more, uh, time and more shots to the choke. Uh, here coming up for the next couple of weeks, some busy schedules for duck hunting. So I'm, I'm really excited. I'm actually been using the decoy choke, going to be using the passing a little bit here, what we got planned, some big, bigger water hunting. So anyways, I'll let you know how it yeah. goes and uh, hope your season continues to go, go as well.
2: Yeah, it's going to get good. And, and you know, when you're out there and, and you're hunting, um, especially birds over water, where you can see the difference mm-hmm. or if you're shooting a cripple or whatever have you, you know, when you get out to those, that 35 to 50 yard mark, you know, don't be afraid to use the decoy choke and then use the pa- the passing and sort of a side by side comparison mm. so you can s- see and understand what I'm I'm saying.
1: I well, I, would, oh, I definitely going to. I want to see yeah. it. Yeah. He'll probably
2: Excuse be in. See.
1: Yeah. He'll be in one of our, it'll be in our hunt video, I guarantee, because I definitely want to, I want to test that out and see that. It's a good, good time to do it, good place to do it while you're out there. In the field. So, good
2: man. And then uh in a future podcast, maybe we could touch more base on the differences between the passing and UFO yes. with the different shot types and ammo's. Because mm-hmm. that's something that people need to really understand. Because I have a lot of people buying the UFO, because as you said, they want the tightest choke, but they don't. They don't want the tightest choke. And I want to explain why. It's yeah. really important that people understand it.
1: Okay. All right. Well, thanks again, Jim. I appreciate your time. You got it, Titus. Thank you, brother. Thanks, everybody, for listening, and we'll see you guys on the next one.